Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. KJ. Tom, how are you? Doing good. I, I, I'm on my headphones right now. Do you want me to put you on speaker? No, you're good. Okay. So, I'm recording. I'm recording too. Okay, I don't know why though. You texted me and said to turn on my microphone. So I'm recording, but I don't know anything else. We put out an episode in November called What Happened to Public or Jane Doe. Ben Salem Police Detective Chris McMullen told us about a case he'd been working on for about two decades. The case of Public or Jane Doe whose remains were found on the property of an abandoned distillery in Ben Salem in January of 1988. We followed up with another episode about another victim, Jeanette Tamby, who was thought at one point to be public or Jane Doe. But then she was identified as another Jane Doe in New Jersey, and we went on to work on other Gone Cold stories. But just a few weeks ago, on a random Wednesday night after dinner, I got a text, and then I messaged Tom to turn on his recorder and to call me. So, Chris McMullen just texted me. Heads up, we're close to identifying public or Jane Doe. Big break. What, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I know. Suspicious deaths, murders, the missing, every victim has a story, even if every story doesn't have an ending. From Gone Cold, Philadelphia Unsolved Murders, this is What Happened To. Now, if you haven't listened to the episode, What Happened to Public or Jane Doe, go and listen before continuing with this story. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, sorry, I'm recording. Okay. It was Detective Chris McMullen who texted me. I then immediately called him. Wait, so you just texted me that you think that there's a big break in the Jane Doe publicer case? That is correct. Um, the DNA genealogists have been making really good progress. Um, how, did, how did that even happen? Like, what what changed? Um, apparently, there was a change with uh, Jed Match. When people put their DNA in, they can opt out 
for law enforcement reasons. But that's only if, from my understanding of it, is if it's law enforcement reasons where if they're trying to find a suspect, like like the oh, Golden State serial right, killer. Right, right, right. But apparently, uh, Doe cases are uh, not blocked out, and. Um, yeah, because they're trying to identify whoever an unidentified person is. Right, and yeah. and publisher Jane Doe has been in for about a year. Yeah, and, uh, we we got some really good hits, um, associations, and I'm pretty confident in saying that she is from Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. Wait, from Philadelphia, not from Ben Salem, not from Bucks County. I think she's from Philadelphia. You know, hopefully by the time. This is done. We'll know for sure, but um, yeah. we have some we have some really good associations, and we're we're they're still building the tree out. So yeah, um, I'm very. The genealogists tell me that they're very confident that they're going to narrow it down perfectly, and I have a lot of faith in them. So we've been doing a lot of running around today, and uh, it's pretty cool. I really couldn't wait to find out what happened, how the girl known as Public or Jane Doe, unidentified for 33 years, all of a sudden belonged to someone, to a family. But so, like, you don't have a name, but you have, like, you have, I guess, family members, maybe? Or, like, what do you have, like, at this moment that... that... We, have, we have several associations, uh through DNA genealogy with people from Philadelphia. And some of them have since, you know, they may have lived in Philadelphia at one time. Now they live across the river in uh, New Jersey and some out uh, outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Huh. So, yeah, we're, we're working on it. Um, trying to, uh, you know, just, as they, they keep saying it, they're, they're still building the tree. Um, so, yeah. yeah, um, you know, anxiously waiting by the phone and I'm, you know, doing research, you know, when they're giving me names, I'm looking them up and whatnot, but you know, we're, we're, I, they told me they're very confident that, that we're going to get this, uh, cleared. So I'm really psyched about that. That's awesome. Cause that's like but, all you, that's like all you wanted, you know, is to get a name for her. Yes. I need a name for her. Yeah. There's a lot that seems to be moving at a good pace in the right direction on this case, which, you know, after 19 years of working on it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, at least you can go home and kind of maybe toast her tonight or something and figure it out. I can't wait to tell Tom. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I'll keep you in the loop as things go on. When I first spoke to Chris, he told me that out of anything he wanted to do in his career, it was to give Public or Jane Doe a name. He wanted to give her back to her family. When we were working on the episodes about Public or Jane Doe and Jeanette, Tom and I often spoke about it. The tragedy of not knowing where your loved one was and the importance of not being forgotten. You know, I mean, thank God... And I know we've been talking about Jeanette recently, and I just keep thinking about Jeanette. But the thing is, is, like, I think about Jane, too. I just don't know who Jane is. Like, I know who yeah. Jeanette is. I've seen Jeanette in a picture. You know, I've seen Jane in a bust. But, like, I've seen Jeanette. 
and I've gotten to know kind of things about Jeanette and people love Jeanette. And I think there's like a, there is a thing you're putting like a soul into a body when you name the person. We'll see what it, what it brings up. But at this point, we may know who Jane is, but we'll see. I'm just pumped, man. I know. Yeah. A few weeks later, Detective McMullen and the Ben Salem police publicly announced her name. Publicer Jane Doe was Lisa Todd. Lisa was the mother of a two-year-old when she disappeared. And as we mentioned in the previous episode, she was carrying another baby. There were fetal bones found with her body. Two lives were lost the day Lisa died. Detective McMullen credits not only his own police department and the authorities around it, but Bodhi Technologies, who developed the genetic profile, and a team led by Chris's friend and partner, Yolanda McClary. Well, thank you for letting me be a part of this. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, my gosh, for your time. Waking up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Hopefully you have coffee. (laughs) Yep, plenty of it. You may know Yolanda, actually, from the TV show Cold Justice, She's a lifelong investigator, specifically in DNA recovery. You can definitely say she has a knack for forensics and a passion for identifying Jane and John Doe's. She wants to get them home. The type of DNA that we typically use in law enforcement when we're comparing against people is what they call an STR, a short tandem repeat. It is the allele size and you compare them and you compare the numbers in them. And again, I am not a DNA analyst. It's what I've been taught by, we had great DNA analysts in our lab at LVMPD. That is what you're looking at when, when you're comparing, say, a person to a person. Now, in genealogy, that's a whole different beast in a whole different world. It's not the same at all. In the doe cases um, that we've done, what happens is the doe's bone, because that's typically what we have, will go to a private lab. In this particular case, it went to Bodhi. Uh, We also use DNA solutions. Both of them are great private labs. They would drill the bone to get the DNA, so to speak. And it takes a lot of DNA where, see, the STR, it's so little. Like, I could breathe on a Q-tip and you could have my DNA, Okay. But this type of DNA is a complete different beast. It takes a lot of DNA. And when the profile's done, it's like, I'm not even lying, like a million numbers. It's like, if you printed it, it would be like a ream of paper. It's nothing like I've ever seen before. I mean, it kind of blew my mind. So it is a whole different world. And then what you do is you take that profile and you upload it into open source databases. Now, what I mean by open source is this is not Ancestry. This is not 23andMe. Those are private labs, private genealogy places that do not accept uploads. They don't even work with these kind of projects, which I wish they would, but they don't. There's other open source ones, and they were created by the genealogy you know, enthusiasts out there, the people that say, okay, I did my stuff at Ancestry23andMe, but God, I just want to know so much more about my family or who I connect with. And that's why these databases were open, so to speak, is for these people that get into it so much. Well, the databases kept growing and growing and growing. It was an amazing thing. And that's the places that we go and upload these million numbers, this huge profile that goes in there and tries to connect with people out there. When you upload these profiles, 
it generates, I mean, it could generate, I'm not even kidding, like a hundred matches, but it'll give you the top match first. Okay. The one that gives you that you're the closest related to, and they measure everything. Like everything in the world gets measured by something, whether, you know, it's an inch, a foot, a yard, right? So in this, it's measured by what they call a centimorgan. It's like, you share so many centimorgans of DNA, like say me and you, if, you know, we were connected somehow and we shared like, let's say a hundred centimorgans, that's not super close. You're probably like a third cousin to me. So I got to go way back in your tree, like to your second great grandparents. And you have eight of them and build all their children all the way down. So by the time you do that, you could end up with 5,000 people in your tree. And then I've got to look at that and compare yours to say another match. Every once in a while you get lucky and you might get a second cousin or a first cousin. Um, What would be beautiful is like a sister, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, something that is just that close that you're looking just in that person's real direct family. But it doesn't work out that way. Generally, you are dealing with third and fourth cousins and it's taking you months to build trees and compare them trying to find that that marriage so to speak okay and then you know that marriage is a good start of where say your dough is going to be we spoke for about a half an hour about genealogy and about how they figured out who publicer jane doe was specifically with jane doe publicer chris got the actual DNA, or I'm saying you both got, I guess, from Bodhi Technologies, like here's, here's the um, genetic profile. What then happened? What then transpired? How did you both work together to kind of build out what the tree would be? Uh, Chris, if you remember, Bodhi kind of uploaded her profile and the matches were so horrible. I mean, they were so horrible. It just wasn't workable. And um, Chris, correct me here, but I think, didn't they say that basically this, this case was unsolvable at that point? They after they they did the extract and the upload, they said that there was some associations, but they were at at the closest was like fourth cousins, and they had suggested that we just leave the profile there and wait and um, see if some more profiles come in. That that was my understanding of it. And shortly after that, then you took over. Yeah. So basically, me and my partner, I love building trees. I love doing that part and working with the genealogists. And my partner loves working with the databases with the profiles and see what connect, you know, what hits and what doesn't. Then he kind of just gives them to us. He was monitoring them and and constantly, you know, looking like every two weeks to see if there was anything new and there wasn't, but one of the databases that she was in had just created a new algorithm that constantly changes to the algorithm that help you match other people. So he thought, Oh my gosh, you know what? New algorithms are happening. Then you know, let's try it. Let's give this, you know, let's take her new algorithm. And he put it back into GEDmatch to see if it would do better because GEDmatch, after it was sold, they've done a lot of work also to their database, you know, increasing the algorithms, making it better, uh, more user-friendly. So we put her back in with the new algorithm and boom, she hits to one really good match and two others that were a little bit more distant, but that's kind of what you want because it helps us. It helps bring it home. And then uh, one of my uh, uh, genealogists that works with me, her and I hit it pretty hard and we had her solved in about three and a half days. Yes. Yeah, like I said, when you started building the tree, I really had a hard time keeping up with you. <laughs> I had a hard time keeping up with myself. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like, because I remember 
before we found the Todd family, the night before I had contacted a girl named Victoria who lives in Williamsport that apparently was a, a, a close cousin. And the issue with that was she had been adopted and never knew her biological father and the association was on that side. So as much, she's a great person and as much as she wanted to help and um, she, she couldn't point me in the right direction. Now I have spoken to her since, and I believe the association is that her grandmother was sisters with Lisa Todd's mother. Yeah. It's um, one of these things that you're right. What happened was it, it wasn't so Okay, so it looked like um, her father that gave her her, her last name. Um, her mom got married to him when she was very young, like one to two years old. And so she right. just took his name. So it, it was a little bit different because uh, Victoria was actually our, our best match. And um, we kind of quickly realized that Victoria's father that, you know, she had listed was not really her father. So we had to figure out, you know, who her father really was, because that's actually where (laughs) where the tree connected with other other matches that we had. So so we actually took a total of five matches, the top five matches, and we got them to connect really nice and fast and good. And then it was connecting it to Victoria. Um, Once we realized who her real father was, then the connection became very, very clear. All you're doing is connecting people. Like if I, if I connect with Chris, you know, like we're, we're cousins, I can put both of us in the same tree. Now we both match her, put us together in the same tree. But what I'm looking for ultimately is marriages into other trees that we are not connecting with, but they are connecting with our dough. It seems complicated and it is complicated. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) It can be very complicated, but it works. And uh, eventually we get to an answer of Lisa Todd. For Chris, finding out who she was and giving her a name was everything. The way it happened, I remember it was was January 15th and it was late in the afternoon. And uh, Yolanda, you would call me and said, check your email. There's a there's a couple names on there, and your doe is the sibling of these two people, and that was Linda and Joseph. Yeah. Uh, so I started trying to track them down using various databases that we have, and um, I couldn't get a, a working phone number for either of them. I had a couple addresses that were in Philadelphia, but then I started building off of them. The databases also show relatives, so I I had found the daughter of Joseph. I called the number and left a message and shortly after she called me back and I explained to her who I was and, and I, I laid it all out for her. And I said, uh, you know, with all that being said, did, did your father ever have anybody that, that disappeared that was his sister? And paused and she said, yeah, he had a sister that disappeared in, in the 80s. And I said, okay, I need to speak with your father. And she said he's on his way home. And 20 minutes later, he called me and uh, he was very upset. And I, I told him who I was and I got his address and I went down to see him and he told me about Lisa he told me you know she had disappeared in the fall of 85 uh, I even showed him some of the photographs the jewelry that were found with uh, our Jane Doe and he recognized the two rings as belonging to Lisa um, we took his DNA that evening we took a couple buckle swabs which were and we also got them from his sister Linda and they were compared to Jane Doe and it came back as being first degree 
relatives, siblings. And uh, he, he was so upset. He just, you know, I mean, I, it hit him like a storm. I mean, he, certainly it's understandable. Unfortunately, you know, their parents had already been, uh, were already deceased. So mother and father died not knowing what happened to Lisa. Chris continued his investigation, finding out that Lisa Todd grew up in the Frankfurt neighborhood of Philadelphia. She had parents who were now gone, and she had a brother, Joseph, and a sister, Linda. On the very day police announced to the world who Public Jane Doe was, I messaged Linda on Facebook, and she got right back to me. And then I drove more than an hour to South Jersey late in the afternoon to speak with her. This is our exclusive interview with Linda Todd. Do I, I don't take good pictures. Oh my God, I think you look great. I was going to ask you what hair color you have. Red. I know, it looks great. Oh my God, I love okay, it. Okay, go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Linda was the younger sister of Lisa. She has a daughter of her own and a grandchild. But what she said about finding out about her sister really struck so, me. And she told me to hold a pocketbook, take a pocketbook home. And that's the last time I seen her. So I was about 11 years old, 10 or 11, because I'm a year, almost two years younger than her. She just like ran away. That's what we thought. And then now, now they found her where they found her at. And so tell me when you, um, so what you were describing, just what this all feels like to you. Like somebody's got a big knot in my stomach and kicking my back at the same time. So I'm just glad they found her. Get to the end of it. I just want to know why and who. And that's it. Is it. And so whoever, if they're still around, would you want them prosecuted? To- What's there to prosecute? I mean, she's gone. Why take another life for something that did it? But he ruined his life for the rest of his life now. He ain't, he'll go to hell. That's how I say it. I'm so sorry. I would, like I said, it's, that's, this is what I didn't want done. I didn't want people saying sorry. Okay. You know, not, not, not against done. It's just like, it just... It's not going to bring her back. I understand people are sorry. I understand that. I understand I'm more yeah, tougher. I guess because you grew up without a sister. And so that's Basi- like- basically. You know, I looked for her, you know, a couple years ago. i say about maybe six or seven years ago. Somebody came up to me and told me that she was in Camden Correctional Center in a wheelchair. I went there. It wasn't her. That was the last time. I kept on looking on Facebook, putting her name in. You know, but nothing. So I just... Hopefully, when again it came through, so I'm just glad that they found her and that she could rest in peace. And what was your initial reaction? So when Chris told you, I didn't believe it, but then I felt like everything inside me just dropped. So me and my daughter Amanda went up there and we talked physically, talked to him face to face, and then went from there. They've been contacting me every week. I call them if I hear anything, and now it's this. And the brother, or your brother is alive too? Yes, my brother's alive. Okay, okay. So it's like, so it's just the two of you though? Your it's just me, parents, my brother, right? and, and my he, kids and his kids. And so your parents, um, I guess, died not knowing what happened to their daughter. Yeah, they don't, they died. My dad, um, i tell you the truth, I really don't know. I never really talked to him ever. You know, I didn't have a close relationship with him. But my mom, she died, I uh, get a cancer a couple years ago. He just died recently. I guess about two years ago, maybe a little more. But I'm just glad that they found her. I really am. 
so what does it feel like for both of you to kind of go, okay, this is Lisa and we know who she is? You know, it is emotional. It is difficult. I mean, even for us, when we when we get there and we know we're there, we know we're in the right family, you have two kind of emotions going. You know, one, you're so grateful that you figured out who she is and you can send her home, which is ultimately why I do this, um, because I want to send them home. I don't think anybody deserves to die without your name, to be just thrown somewhere in hopes of never being found, which is what really happens with most of your does that's why they're in cornfields that's why they're in places that they're the hope by the suspect is they'll simply just never be found i don't think anybody deserves to die period but not to die that way so you know there's two different emotions you know on one you're kind of jumping up and down you know this is great you know we can finally send her home but you know then there's that that other side it's sad it's sad for the family many times i think they have this little hope that even though they haven't heard from them in years, there is always, always this hope that they're still alive and they're still out there and that they're doing well for whatever reason, why there's no contact with the family. There's always that hope that they are still alive. And so it, it's hard for them to hear the words that they've been deceased for years and then to learn how they died. You know, that's like a, a second huge blow. So this is such a double-edged sword like I said, on one hand, it's such a great thing to send them home. And I think ultimately the family is happy knowing the truth. But um, there's a lot of pain, a lot, a lot of pain involved, a lot of tears uh, that you can literally feel when you listen to them. It, it just hits you right in your soul. I, I would totally agree with you on that. It's it's very bittersweet. You know, just for me, when I when I realized that I that you had pointed us in the right direction and that we had found her. And when I first spoke to the Todd family and I said, you know, what was her name? And they said, Lisa, after 19 years of trying to figure out who this Jane Doe was, now she was Lisa. And I was, I was thrilled because, you know, we finally had, had identified her, but um, for the family and Kristen, like you said, yeah, Linda did say that she, she had, she had made a, uh, a lot of calls to prisons because, you know, saying, is my sister there or various institutions because um, just looking for her, thinking that maybe she was somewhere and unable to contact her family. So, you know, in, in that evening when I met with Joseph, I mean, he was happy, but he was devastated at the same time. And even with Lisa's son, I really feel bad for him. And he's a great guy. They're all great people. But I, he, this is a guy that, you know, from the time he was about two years old, he, he never knew what happened to his mother. And now, thank God, he, he has some closure. But it's a, it's a, I think it really complicates the grieving process. You know, it's, it's, it's such a, a you know, a, a difficult situation. At the end of the day, like Yolanda said, at least now she can go home. She can have a a proper final resting place with her name on it rather than be you know in our evidence lockup as a jane doe and and she deserves that of course this isn't the end of the story for lisa chris is still working he's still trying to figure out how she died but at least he can give her back to her family so they can finally let her rest with her baby Oh. 
celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.